There we go. There we are. All right. Well, I want you to stand to your feet. We honor the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to switch the order of things just a little bit. Normally I read the scripture and then we pray that God will speak to us, but I want to pray first. And uh, this is, I'll just be real honest with you guys. I feel like, I feel like this has the potential to be a very powerful message. I think this is uh, something that the Lord has given me. And uh, I think it could become a book. It could become a curriculum. But I was, I was challenged in my delivery of the word in the first service. And so I, I want to pray. And, and I'll, I'm going to ask in all humility that you'll pray for me. That I would uh, preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And that uh, God would give us liberty in receiving his word today. Because I, I can't do this without the Lord. Uh, you'll be bored without it. And, uh, and I'll be discouraged without it. So we need the Lord. Amen. And so uh, can, we just, can we just begin to pray? I wanna, I'm going to pray for you guys and you just pray for me, please. Lord, I just thank you for your spirit that's in this place. And God, we invite your Holy Spirit now. We ask you to release your anointing all across this room. I ask you to anoint the listener in this place that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives. And God, I ask for an anointing to come upon me. That I wouldn't preach out of my own wisdom, my own understanding, God, my own intellect. But I'm asking that under the unction of your Holy Spirit, I would preach the word that you have delivered to me. And that it would have the effect that you desire for it to have over each and every one of our hearts, Lord. I ask you to help us through this message. And even now, I resist the enemy. He would seek to distract or divide or distort or confuse the word of God. I just ask, Lord, that you would give us liberty in receiving what you are doing to today in Jesus name amen amen well I want you I've got a theme verse here and let's bring it up on the screen Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 while you're standing this is what I'm believing for the Lord to really cultivate in our church and our, our, our body together and so let's read it here together uh, one two three let's go now oh I blew it we need to pray again. Okay, no, no, we're good. Okay, so here we go. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. Now in chapter 3 of Ephesians, I'm not going to read this whole thing. Really, I'm taking the section of Scripture, verse 1 through 13. Uh, you can read it. You can study it. I'm going to give you some foundation. I just want to read a few verses beginning at verse 1. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, indeed have, uh, uh, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now watch, this is the part I want to emphasize, verse 3. For that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. Everybody say mystery. mystery. As I've briefly written already, by which you read, that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Oh, it's awesome. In other ages, it was not made known to the sons of men, but now it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that Gentiles would be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. 
of which I am a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the working of his power. And then just one other verse, because it mentions verse 9, uh, and to see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the ages we're hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. I'll fill in the blanks as we work through the message. Hey, let's read one more verse. Can, we, can you handle this? Bible drill. Turn over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Thank you. You know, we ought to do a series sometime. You'll notice that 316 verses, just they all tend to be powerful. There's got to be something there. Somebody, if you're in numerology or something, tell me what, what that's all about. But uh, 1 Timothy 316, it says, Without controversy, great is the mystery. Everybody say mystery. mystery. Of godliness. It says this, God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached among Gentiles. He was believed on in the world, and he was received up in glory. Wow. This is amazing. Uh, I already prayed, so give somebody a fist bump and then go ahead and, and take your seat. Hallelujah. Thank you for those who are with us. Thank you for those. I love having our online family. Did you know this last Sunday, in fact, uh, Pastor Brock and his wife, Hopefully you got to meet them, spend some time. He did an awesome job on our Monday night for our youth. But what's awesome is he and his wife, they join us from Texas every Tuesday in particular for our prophetic nights, and they participate. And so they were trying to decide, where are we going to go on vacation? And uh, they said, you know what? They were thinking about Mexico and you know, a couple other places, but they're like, Man, let's go to Kona. Let's go to Hawaii. We can have our anniversary and our vacation, and we can be there for one of the prophetic nights. And so uh, that's where they came. So thank you, online family. So good to have you guys with us. And, and just keep that in mind. You know, there's people that'll fly 3,000 miles just to be a part of one of those services. Some of you never even came and check out a Tuesday night yet. You ought to. Praise God. Sunday night, oh, it's powerful. Sunday night, don't tell anybody. I think it might be my favorite service, but we, we have a lot of fun. Okay, shouldn't have said that. Here we go. So what I, what I want to talk about today, and my wife encouraged me. She's like, now, how does this fit our theme? Who knows what, the, what, our, what our series is called? Better Together. Everybody say Better Together. Now, what you need to understand about our passage in Ephesians is what's really happening is the Apostle Paul is uh, he just spent the previous chapter talking about how we as very different people have been made into one new man. That man is Christian, right? He's talking about in the previous chapter about how Jews and Gentiles now can worship together, okay? Because we've been made one through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of his sacrifice, now we are one new man. He talks about how the laws that used to divide, now we can be united. He talks about, guys, this, this whole deal, and what's interesting here is the Apostle Paul is addressing racial division, He's addressing religious division. He's, re, he's uh, coming against, uh, you know, even socioeconomic status. And what you'll notice about Pentecost is you've got young and old. You've got men and women. You have all tribes and tongues and peoples and nations. And we're dealing with today what we've come to call cancel culture. Everybody know what cancel culture is? 
I think it's ridiculous. I'll just be honest with you. I think cancel culture does the exact, it's about as effective as a, someone who's dealing with race and say, well, I don't see color. Well, that's a problem. You need to see color. You need to notice that I'm brown and, uh, you know, my family makes good Mexican rice. My wife is brownish. She doesn't like when I say yellow. Um, but, uh, you know, she's Asian, right? And, uh, and uh, her family makes wonderful cascarón and uh, uh, what, you know, pancet. Oh, yeah, good. And, uh, you know, there's, there's all these different kinds of things. You know, we went over to Dave and Miriam's and, uh, you know, you guys need to go sometime. You just talk with Dave and Miriam. Miriam's got this garden out back, and she'll like make tea. Now, this isn't like Lipton tea or anything like that. No, this is tea that she grew, herbs that she grew in her backyard. You I mean she's serving you? She made her own mayonnaise. I'm like, what? You know, and you're putting all this stuff on there. Well, where does that come? You know, that's cultural kind of stuff. And you look, and I, I mean, only in the body of Jesus Christ do we have this diversity of people, and yet we can come together. We have the privilege, during the women's conference, we had a Marshallese music special, and it was beautiful. Uh, they had a dance. Uh, last week, we got to highlight our Hawaiian, our hula ministry, and, uh, and, and their dance, and, and all of that sort of thing. And uh, here in this place, I mean, we've got Samoans, and we've got Tongans, and we've got Russians, and we've got Hispanics, right? And we got Filipinos, and we got some Howleys, praise God. And uh, what else do we got? Portuguese. Pakistani. Pa- really? Pakistani, all right. Praise God. Anybody else? I know we've got a lot. We got some Canadians, but that's Howley. Swedish, hallelujah. And, um, I, you know, I got some Swedish blood in me, too, actually. Uh, I'm a I'm a mutt, okay. I, I really am a I'm a you know what are you, Pastor Jacob? I am a mutt. My family is from Spain, came over to Mexico, so I got some Mexican blood. I got some Native American. I you know I've got some Swedish and some Irish and even some Viking, Hallelujah. And uh, I've got my some Jewish. Oh yeah, I was born in Germany. A lot of my my mom's side of the family's from Germany, and uh, so what does that make me? Mixed plate, Hallelujah. So anyway. Um, what was I talking about? But here's the joy. How does that work? How in the world does that work? Hawaii is, I mean, one of the beautiful things that we get to enjoy is there is this incredible diversity amongst our people. And, uh, and I absolutely love it. You want to know why? Because we come together and all of us come from slightly different backgrounds. I don't know what your home life was like, or I don't know, uh, you know, what kind of income you grew up having, if you were privileged or if you suffered need or, or, or what you dealt with what all that was but one thing I know is that we have the great privilege through Jesus Christ and through the word of God to gather around certain beliefs we gather around the one true God we get to worship him we get to seek him we get to pursue him and now even though we're very different we all look different we think different we're uh, we're all very different But we're one new man because of what Jesus Christ has done. Now, what's what's very important for us to... I'm just telling you guys. Cancel culture will not fix the issues that we're dealing with. Having a movement... uh, You know, what is the thing we've seen? Asian... Asians are important. I don't know. What is the thing that we've seen popping up all this last week? Uh, Asians' lives matter. Black lives matter. Uh, You know, that's all fine. But canceling Dr. Seuss is not going to cure racism, I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you, okay? 
uh, read you some Dr. Seuss, learn how to rhyme is wonderful. Don't be racist. It's just, you know, love people. You know, that is what the answer is. In fact, let me give you one verse that will cure racism. It's right here, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. It says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness or humility, let each one esteem others as better than himself. The New Living Translation says, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Guys, that's a big deal. Do you think about others as better than yourself? This is what's going to help us. You know, no, this is going to be the cure to division, to racism, to social injustice. If we would learn to love and honor one another the way that the Lord does. It's very important for us to grab. And we understand honor. Most of us know how to honor up. That's easy. They're anointed. They're wealthy. They're a business owner. They're a person of prestige. We know how to honor people that we view as, well, yeah, they're better than me. They're greater than me. They're smarter than me. Of course I honor them. What's difficult, though, is it says to honor everyone. Don't consider yourself to be better than anyone. You know what that means? That there's moments where God will put it on your heart to honor a homeless person. And you esteem them. You lift them up. Not as a, you know, let me give you a handout because I'm so privileged and you're so, not. no. You esteem them as better than yourself. You honor that person that, you know, that, that gives you a hard time. That person who's dividing the workplace. That, uh, that knucklehead in your workplace that you just can't even stand. What would happen if you began to honor them and lift them up and consider them even as better than yourself? This is the heart. My wife said, how did, you know, she asked me, the, the, so how does, how does what I shared about these mysteries and all of this, how does this tie into us being better together? Well, let me just tell you the heart of everything that I'm going to share together, everything that Jesus has intended for the church to be can only happen when we are together. If we're going to be living stones, if we're going to become the dwelling place for God Almighty, we need one another. You have a place within the body of Jesus Christ. There is a job for you to fulfill with Jesus. Now the other part of this, and this is, this is where we dig into the mysteries a little bit, and that's what I want to talk about today, is the mysteries of the gospel. What's interesting is there's a number of beliefs that you and I should really rally around. There's a number of things that we need to believe. And I'm just going to give them to you really quickly. I don't have the time uh, to, to go into all the depth. But you'll notice that the Apostle Paul makes a number of statements about the mystery of godliness. That's what it says in 1 Timothy 3.16. The mystery of godliness. Everybody say the mystery of godliness. And I'm going to give them to you. It's going to take me about... 10 to 15 minutes, and so if you'll, if you'll stick with me, I've decided I'm, I'm going to break from my notes because it didn't go good the first service, but I think I can do better this second service, okay? Listen, you know, they can't all be home runs, and, uh, and I learned to accept that, and so praise God, but I know this is, this is a good word, and it's going to bless you. So, 1 Timothy 3, he, gives, he says, first of all, that God was manifested in the flesh, this is the first thing you and I need to learn to believe together. How do we know? There are beliefs that we are going to rally around and say, yes, I agree with that. 
in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24, the Apostle Paul talks about this exact idea. He said this was a message that was a mystery for centuries. Just so you know, any mystery that we read about in the New Testament is essentially this. Those in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, they didn't understand it. They might have had an idea, they might have had a glimpse, but they didn't grasp what this mystery was. But Jesus Christ, in the body of Christ, as we come together, now the mystery has been revealed. Even Jesus told his disciples, to them it's not been committed, but to you it's been committed to know the mysteries of God. You guys understand that what the Lord wants to teach us are things that even Moses and Jeremiah and the prophets of old, they were looking forward to a day. Well, how are the nations going to be saved? And how are we all going to end up in heaven if sacrifices don't remain? And, and how are we really going to see people come together and be unified in the Spirit? Those are all very confusing things. How, and it's been a mystery for generations. But Paul is saying now the mystery has been revealed. And these are the things that he talks about. So Jesus is God in the flesh. That's the first thing that we need to know. And Paul talks about how there's moments where he has suffered in his body, but he doesn't regret it. And he says, don't feel sorry for me, because all I'm doing is bearing in my body what Jesus Christ has done for me. To make it real simple, essentially what he's talking about is, he's like, there's moments where I've been beaten. There's moments that I've been whipped. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul even says, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Literally, you could look at the Apostle Paul and you would see that his body was broken in a very similar way that Jesus was. And he says, don't feel sorry for me about these things because it's a small part of what Jesus did for me. I'll never forget talking to Steve Hill. And he was suffering with cancer. He'd had cancer for seven years. It was a cancer that was supposed to kill him in six months. But he had cancer for seven years, and the Lord sustained him through that time. He wrote a book. He got to minister. And there was a moment where somebody asked him, are you angry that God has not healed you? Are you frustrated that God has never healed you? And his response is, how could I ever be angry with God? He says, if what I'm experiencing, this pain, this cancer in my body, he said, it's only a fraction. It's only a taste of what Jesus Christ endured for me. And if this is what I carry, if this is my, my suffering that I can endure for him, then I will bear it. I could never be mad at my God for this. I remember being so humbled as I was watching him. And I'm telling you guys, those, those moments as we were watching him, get closer and closer to Jesus. I mean, you, you, felt like, you, you felt like sitting in his living room like you were almost talking to God because he was so near to Jesus and he just had these moments. There was this nearness and this intimacy that was there. And I don't know if it was his pain or that he was so close to death, but it was a wild thing. And his suffering had brought him closer to it. And that's what Paul's saying. Now, here's what we need to understand about this mystery, because there are individuals, in fact, the Bible even talks about in, uh, in 1 John, how we can identify false prophets, and they're going to deny one of two things, either one, Jesus never came in the flesh, or number two, that Jesus was not God. That's really, if you want to know how to identify, how do I know, is this a cult or is this Jesus? Is this 
An angel or is this a demon that's talking to me right now? Guys, I believe for those kinds of experiences. But you'll notice that Muslims, you'll notice that, uh, that, that Hindus, you'll notice that even Jehovah's Witnesses, all of these guys, they believe that Jesus was a real person. But they'll say, well, he was a teacher. He was a good example. Oh, oh he was, uh, you know, whatever. He was a prophet, maybe. But God in the flesh, well, I don't know about that. That's how you can identify false religion. There's other spiritual movements that would say, well, you know, Jesus, yeah, he's, he's a power. Oh, he's a force. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe Jesus, but he's also known as all of these other things. And it's just some, you know, mystical out there spiritual thing. Not a real man who came in the flesh. This is one of the things that will unite us. How do we know what we as a, as a body are unified around? What do we gather around? What do we believe together? We believe that Jesus came in the flesh. It's very, very important for us to understand. He really came to the earth. He clothed himself in human flesh. He was eternally existent. He was with God, the Father, from creation. But he chose to humble himself into the form of human flesh. Fully God. Holy man. And he laid down his life, abused, crucified, and we know raised from the dead. That's our Savior. That's our Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. The second mystery, again, Timothy gives us an outline. It says that he was justified in the Spirit. Now, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down because justified in the Spirit, you may or may not get that right at face value. But this is what it says. This is what I want you to write down. Jesus is righteous, and he's the giver of righteousness. Jesus is righteous, and he is the giver of righteousness. Did you know Jesus is perfect? We talked last week about the great exchange, how Jesus lived a sinless life, but he died a sinner's death. Our sin was applied to Jesus. And his righteousness was given to us. This is what we call the great exchange. So now one day, you and I, we're all going to stand before God on judgment day. We'll give an account for our life. But if we have received Jesus in his sacrifice over us, he's going to look at us and he's not going to see the sin that we've committed. He's not going to see our fallen human nature. He's going to see the blood of Jesus. He's going to look at us and see the perfect life that his son has lived applied to us. That's good news. We all need that. You might have been born in baptismal waters. You still need Jesus as a Savior. Say amen. We all need this. These are mysteries. In fact, one of the things, Ephesians 5, 23, the Apostle Paul, he gives us another picture. He says, uh, this is a... Um, He says, husbands, love your wives. Oh, I missed it. Oh, I don't have it there. So, oh, Ephesians 5, it talks about the mystery. And he talks about this mystery in verse 23, Ephesians 5, 23. And this is the mystery. He, he's actually talking about this illustration between husbands and wives. That's not my point today. But this is what he says. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the word, a uh, water by the word, and might present to her himself a glorious church with no spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Jesus was perfect. And Jesus' mission is to take and make the church, to make me and you perfect. 
glorious. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you look glorious. That's true. That's what the Lord desires to do in each and every one of you. That's a mystery. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know how Jesus' perfect life can be given to me. It doesn't make sense. All I know is the only way it's possible is through the shed blood of Jesus. I can't rationalize it. I cannot rationalize how I'm going to stand before God one day and all of my sin is going to be done away with. It's not going to be accounted to me. It's not fair. But I sure am thankful. But we're talking about how we can be better together. This is one of the doctrines that we're going to believe together, that we're going to rally around. It's a mystery. Jesus is righteous, and he makes us righteous. Hallelujah. Number three. Oh, this is an awesome one. He was seen by angels. Everybody say angels. Now, this is really powerful. I believe this is both fallen angels and holy angels, but... Uh, really what this is dealing with, Ephesians chapter 3, I just touched on the verse today, and uh, it says this, this is the fellowship of the ministry, from the beginning of ages it was hidden from those who were created, uh, hidden in God who created all things, to the intent that the manifold wisdom of God might be known to the church, to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. I know that's a mouthful, but if you break it down and make it really simple, what Paul is saying is, listen, I know this is a mystery. And nobody has known it throughout all, uh, all history. They didn't get it. But what God is going to do, and he says specifically, he will do it through the church. God is going to reveal his plan through the church, not just to the church, but he says to principalities and powers. You know, part of our job is to be intentional in putting the devil to shame. I mean, really. Part of our job, yes, we're going to be the church. We're going to grow together. Our, our mission is discipleship. We're going to build people. You're going to be effective and useful in God's kingdom. But part of what we're going to do, you understand when we come together, when we operate in unity, when we believe together and worship together and study scripture together, like in a life group, when we do those things, do you understand that it puts shame to the devil? That's part of our job. It's like our mission statement. You know, the Bible talks about how through Jesus, one of the things that happened is he put the devil to open shame. And personally, I want to participate in the ministry of Jesus in putting the devil to open shame. I want the devil to be ashamed that he ever tried to mess with you. I want the devil to be embarrassed that he tried to derail your marriage or get you strung in addiction or had you in a broken relationship or that your heart used to be gripped by racism. Whatever it may be, I want the devil to be ashamed that he ever tried to have a hook in your life at all. I don't know if we could add that to our mission statement. Let's shame the devil. One of the things, and I don't have time to talk about this, but it Another mystery within this, 2 Thessalonians 2.6, you can study this on your own time, but it says the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do it until he's taken out of the way. What I believe that's talking about is right now there is what the Bible would call the spirit of lawlessness or the antichrist spirit that is roaming the earth. It's living, it's active. 
Now there's one day, and I believe that day is coming sooner than you may think, but there's one day that that Antichrist spirit will be personified in a man who will rule on some capacity on the earth. He will be the Antichrist. Right now, you have to understand that even though the days are dark and even though you know, things are, are, are seemingly getting worse, and I wouldn't disagree with you, things are not as evil as they could be because the church is a constant presence pushing back darkness. We're constantly, you know, the devil would have his way on the earth if it wasn't for a church like King's Kona. That's seeing people get saved. That's, that's contending for revival. That is intentional to pray and tear down strongholds. We do that kind of thing. And so where the devil may have gained ground here at one time, right now we're pushing back. We're pushing back. Now there's going to be a time where the Lord comes and he takes the church home. And at that time, oh my goodness. You don't want to be on the earth after that point in time. In fact, the devil, the Bible talks about woe to you who still remain. It says it in Revelation, woe to you. Because the devil's come down to you with great wrath knowing that his time is short. I tell you, the closer we get to the end of all the age, the devil's going to be working harder and harder and harder. And there's going to be a time where even the church is not there to push back against it. It's going to be frightening. We're all going in the rapture, hallelujah. And uh, I'm going with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I, are you going with Jesus? When he comes, I'm going. Well, so uh, praise God. Now, I, I make the joke sometimes. I don't mind if you're a post-tribulation rapture kind of guy because we will need some people to keep on running things after we go in the rapture. So that's your heart. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh. Now, number, number four. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You guys are still doing good, aren't you? So, hallelujah. Uh, number four is the salvation of the nations. Salvation of the nations. Uh, Romans 11 talks about this. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. He's describing the salvation of the nations. And let me just summarize it for you. There was a time during the ministry of Jesus where Israel rejected Jesus as the Savior. Now there is a pocket of believers. The Bible will always have what we call a remnant. There's always going to be a pocket of believers. And so there are believing Jews, Messianic Jews. In fact, that number is growing by a massive amount. It's one of the signs of the end times is that we would see the salvation of Israel. And that's happening right now. But Paul is talking about this time where there's a partial, a partial hardening of heart. And he prays two things. He's like, I pray that some of my brothers, now he's Jewish, he's saying, I pray that some of my brothers will be provoked to jealousy and that they will be saved as I am. You know what that's going to look like? That means that we are a people, and most of us are Gentiles, right? Most of us are non-Jews, we're going after God, but God is blessing you. God has saved you. God is prospering you. His goodness is being revealed, man. Your marriage is being restored. Your addiction is being broken. God, God has been good. And there's going to be people on the outside of salvation who look at your life and say, I want some of that. I want what you've got. And they're going to be provoked, the Bible says, through godly jealousy to receiving Jesus. Paul's saying, I want that to happen for my Jewish brothers and sisters. But the other thing that Romans 11 says is he's saying God is waiting for the fullness of Gentiles to come in. What in the world does that mean? That means there are still people that need to get saved before Jesus is going to end all of this. How many of you 
If Jesus were to return right now, you have family or friends that you're concerned, they wouldn't make it. They're not making it. I'm with you. And so there's a part of me that is like, boy, it would be nice to go to heaven right about now. It'd be nice. Jesus, come back. You know, that's a, that's a cry, and it should be the cry of our heart. The spirit and the bride say, come. Oh, we want Jesus to come back. But there's also a part of me that's saying, Lord, if you wait a little bit, if you'll wait a little bit, then, then maybe my family will come to know you. Lord, if, if, if you'll just wait a little bit longer, then there's going to be some other people. There's, gonna, there's still people in Kona that need to be saved before you come back, Jesus. It was very important. Number five, Minister Rylan, I want you to come. Uh, I'm almost done here. It says he was believed on in the world. Oh, my goodness. This is the great mystery of godliness. I'm not going to talk about this because this is what I was talking about last Sunday. You can go, you can listen to the message. But Ephesians 3 says, All who believe are fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. What that it means is as you believe in Jesus, you and I become heirs to all that Jesus has made available to us. That's a big deal. That's why I'll lay hands on people and believe for them to be healed. Why? Because I am an heir with Jesus Christ. And part of my inheritance is healing. Part of my inheritance is salvation. Part of my inheritance is freedom. And you just, you can go throughout scripture and you can find, I know I, I, I hit on some pretty regularly just because they're my heart. But if you believe in Jesus, you become an heir with Christ in those blessings. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now the last one. It says that Jesus was received up in glory. Again, I'm talking about what are things that we as a church body are going to believe together? What are things that we can rally around? How are we going to be a people that are unified in Christ? It says that he was received up in glory. We know we see that happen to Jesus in Acts 1. Jesus ascended to heaven. You know, Jesus never died again, right? You know, he rose from the dead, but he didn't get old and die again. No, he ascended to heaven. He's still in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says in Acts 24, 15 that we have the same hope of that resurrection. You know, you may die in this lifetime, but there's going to be a time where you're resurrected and you're not going to die again. There might be the chance that some of you are alive when Jesus Christ returns. And guess what? You will never die. That's exactly what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised, and we will be changed. Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful, church. You know what that's talking about? There's going to be a dramatic event. Could happen any moment. I've got a theology, and I've got, you know, I've, I've got some time frames in mind. I'm an end times buff. I really enjoy that kind of stuff. But one thing that I believe is going to happen, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Left Behind or you read the books, um, it, was a, it was a fair effort, but they got some things wrong. I'll just tell you. You know, because when the rapture comes in that story, it's like, you know, poof, and then it's a pile of clothes on the ground. The Bible doesn't say that's going to happen. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus comes to receive his bride, that every eye is going to behold him. And then it says that we are going to be transformed in an instant. 
in a twinkling of an eye. Not that we're going to be raptured in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That means we're going to be maybe sitting in a church service like this, and all of a sudden I notice, Brother Eugene, you're glowing. And he looks at me, you're glowing. Because I've been transformed. I mean, barely. I blink my eye, and it's done. This is my new body. I've been glorified. We're here. We've not died, and Jesus returns. That's going to happen in an instant. The Bible says, oh, it's a dramatic event. The Bible says that he's going to come from the east. He's going to be circling the globe. The Bible says that all of the angels and all of the saints are going to be with him. And in that moment, the dead in Christ will be raised. 2 Thessalonians builds on, on what 1 Corinthians says. The dead in Christ are going to be raised. That means you're going to be looking to the east and you're going to see Jesus coming with 10,000s of his saints and angels and the archangel crying out and the trumpet is blasting. We're being transformed. And you're going to look off to the west and you know what you're going to see? You're going to see dead people coming out the grave. You're going to see bodies coming up out of the ground, you know. I mean, there might have been some believing Hawaiian that died up in the mountains up there, and you're going to watch this guy just like come up off the side of the mountain. Wow. Whoa. Glorified. The dead in Christ being raised. And the Bible says that angels will come, and they will capture us. They will. It's the, it's the word rapture us. It's where we get the idea of the rapture. He's going to come, and he's going to catch us up, and, and we're going to meet the Lord in the sky. Doesn't that excite you? I mean, imagine if we heard that trumpet blast even today. Wow. I've thought about the other side of things. Could you imagine hearing that blast? You see the angels. You see Jesus. You look around. You see people being resurrected. You see bodies being transformed. And you look and there's nothing different to you. And you watch an angel come down and they pick up your friend who's next to you, they come and they pick up your spouse and they take your son. But you realize there's no angel that's coming to take you up. What a dreadful day that would be. What a terrible day that would be, friends. But the Bible says that all who would call on the name of the Lord would be saved. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, And that's my hope for every person within the sound of my voice. You're in this room, you're watching online. However you may be hearing this message today. I want us to know that we're right with God before we leave here. Would you stand all across this room? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something's about to happen for some people here today. It's a mystery. I don't understand it entirely. But the Bible says there's going to be a moment where we profess our faith in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, your sins are taken out of your life. They're separated from you and they're cast as far as the east is from the west. They're cast into the sea of forgetfulness, the Bible says. And you're going to receive that which you don't deserve. Forgiveness. The cleansing of your sin, washing and renewing. 
Jesus himself is going to give you his righteousness. With every head bowed, every eye closed all across this room, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm right with God. I don't care if you're a member of a church. I don't care if you got baptized one time. I don't care if you pray in tongues. If you're here today and you say, if Jesus were to come back today, I'm not sure if I'd go with him. I want to pray for you. I want to help you make a declaration that I believe you have faith to save your soul. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. But I want to be sure before I leave here today. I want to know that I'm right with God. I want to know that if today was the day that trumpet blast came. If today was the day that the Lord split the sky. If today was the day, I want to know that I'm going with Him. If that be you, nobody looking around, just between me, you, and the Lord. I want you to lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for today. Yeah, I see you there. I see you back there. I see you over there. Are there others? Come on, just lift up your hand. Just let me see Hallelujah. Yeah, I see you there. I see you back there. Hallelujah. Are there others? Okay. Come on, can we just lift our hands together right now? And I want you to pray this with me right out loud. Pray, dear Jesus. Everybody out loud, dear Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I have sinned. I've fallen short of your holy standard. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me of my sin. Make me brand new. Wash me whiter than snow. I believe you died for my sin. A real death. You rose from the dead. You ascended to heaven. And you're coming back soon. I want to be ready. And I know as you work in my life, I will be ready. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. Come live your life through me. In your precious name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Him praise. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and, and you're, you're serious, man, like I, I want to get on track with the Lord. There's a table back here. It says next steps. And uh, Tabitha and, and some of our leaders, they're going to be back here. Our, our life groups, they're going to be back there. But uh, if you say, you know what, I, what do I do now? How do I get on track? They would love to pray with you and talk with you. They'll get your number and they'll, they'll, they'll walk with you if that's what you desire. Because... We're in this together, right? We're better together. And that's kind of the point of this whole thing. Now, the other thing, and I should have said it in the first service. You know, every time Jesus taught about these mysteries, one of the things that I love is Jesus never taught these mysteries to large crowds. He would preach and teach in large crowds, but then he would gather his disciples in small groups. And that's where he would unfold the mysteries. All of these things that I'm talking There's a depth in every single one of these points that I said today. It would I could spend weeks on any one of those topics. But that's what our life groups are for. We're going to be able to dig into topics like this. 
We're going to be able to go deeper and gain an understanding. And so, man, I just encourage you, everybody should be in a life group. Everybody should be in a life group. And so you make sure you talk to Eugene or you saw all the leaders and the assistants. You talk to one of these guys and say, I'd, I'd love to be involved with that. I'm ready to go deeper. Amen? All right, let me speak a blessing over you and then I'll let you go. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait on the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. I hope to see you tonight, Tuesday, in a life group. 